Welcome, Welcome back, back to BBO Live. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Kim. This is Kia. <laughs> and welcome to episode 13, y'all. Lucky number 13. Spooky season. Spooky season, yes. Dude, what have you done for spooky season this year? I haven't done too many spooky things. Like I was telling you earlier, I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween, but I do like to go to the pumpkin patch because I love um, the picture you get from it, the yeah, colors. I just went with my niece. It was really cute, yeah. Right? Pretty and cool. I love seeing the baby's outfits at the pumpkin yes. patch. Yes. Um, and then at the lake that I usually often visit to do spooky um, Pokemon, Pokemon Go hunting, the... <laughs> trees turn such pretty colors they turn like this nice orangey red color and a lot of people go and um, get pictures so i took advantage of that this year hell yeah dude no even just like driving around like all the leaves like and the trees look super pretty like all like folly and i was yeah. like oh, this is so pretty nice one of the perks of the pacific northwest for sure but i was like spooky season. i haven't i was like, besides i went to the pumpkin patch with my family same thing for like baby pictures and all that with my knees um but other than that i don't think i've done a lot yeah, I did um, pumpkin paint night. Oh yeah, and that was you painted fun. a lot, dude. I did do a lot. Of, I did a Pikachu and a Pokeball and a disco ball and a donut and a bat and, and the, the list goes on. <laughs> but it was fun, dude. No, yeah, that looked like a lot of fun. I was out of town, but that looked like it was super fun. What else? I mean. There's not much left for spooky season. I usually don't visit haunted houses because I don't um, like to be scared. <laughs> yeah, me either. I'm not the biggest of like haunted houses. I mean, or scary stuff in general, or like like the theme parks that do like like the freak night and not freak night, but like the spooky mm-hmm. version of the parks. I'm like, I don't want people jumping out. <laughs> I remember I went to one, um, the Silverwood one mm-hmm. up in Idaho. We uh, it was during like Halloween, and I was like, literally just like at the end, I was just so annoyed. <laughs> like people were trying to like come up and scream, and I'm like, just stop, just like let, like, let me be. <laughs> So let me like, enjoy. Yeah, I was like, I'm just trying to get on the rides, man. Yeah. So, no, I'm not a big fan of being scared. I know. I know. But I will be going out to Halloween, so we'll see. I have at least one so- something spooky in there, but other than that. Spooky. What's your costume? I'm going to be super basic and be a devil because the girl is going to just reuse her horns from the year before. I mean, shh, whatever. Outfit <laughs> 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 repeater, como la de Lucy Maguire. It can be like Becky G. Yeah, Mala. definitely inspire. Yeah, that. it's gonna inspire my caption, so I'm excited. True, huh? That's yeah. gonna be a great caption. Yeah, thanks, Becky. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Moving in to what we what's been going on, what we've been talking about. All right, so taking from spooky season to something that was actually really spooky and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kudakan, um, Sinaloa. If y'all don't know, pretty much on the seventeenth. So, if you guys are not familiar with, like, Los Carteles, pretty much El Chapo, I feel like everyone at least kind of knows the reference. Pretty much, uh, the whole Sinaloa Cartel is pretty much kind of started in Culiacán, Sinaloa. Um, but this, re- well, most recently on the 17th, the authorities pretty much captured El Chapo's son. Um, I believe his name is Ovidio Guzman. Um, pretty much captured him and then kind of set the city into a full-on riot, like... The cartel was pretty much just, like, causing a giant-ass terror trying pretty much to get the government to give this kid back. So, although El Chapo's captured, he still has a lot of pull and power within the country and todo eso. Um, so, pretty much in the full setting to riot, like, just balaseando todo, pretty much just, like, shootouts, setting cars on fire, blocking the entrances to the city. Like, Culiacan was, like, a full-on, like, war zone, what y'all were seeing, like cartel movies or like the television pretty much like like 
dramatized. That's not the right word, but yes. <laughs> um, but in real life. So yeah. shit was super scary. Videos were all over Twitter. Um, personally, uh, my family's from Culiacan, from Sinaloa, so a little close to home for me. Um, but it was just super scary, dude. Like, everything was going on. And then, like I said, so pretty much this is like the cartels re like retaliating, trying to get back with their one of their guys. Um, so our, later that day, and I'm not going to show the details of how long it was after, but the, pretty much the government was kind of held it back into this corner and pretty much released the guy back to the cartel to honestly just save as many lives as they could. Like, the city was in terror. Like, I think 14 was confirmed as at least dead from that uh, from that incident, but if anyone knows anything about cartel-related things in Mexico or in any place in Latin America, there's never an official toll death count or anything like that, or at least reported for sure. So, nunca se va a saber. But what threw me was obviously, like I said, I'm more in just because it's a little closer to home, but stuff like this goes down, like, everywhere. Like, all over Lo Mexico, like, people that don't even report, and all of that in America también, some places even worse. So, that was just super... A big thing going on, y'all. So, do you think that it mainly caught the media's eye because it was very closely related to El Chapo? I mean, it was a son. Yes, definitely. I feel like that's also, like, what caused a lot of media. I feel like... Like I said, like this was super like, goes on everywhere, pretty much at all times of the day, and um, but this like definitely caught media because of El Chapo, because of how not only how much of a pull he has in when if, if you think of the word cartel or like cartels in general, you think of El Chapo automatically, so that's probably why it got more more more, more pull. Um, but it's also kind of like at least Twitter was like, oh, like, everyone that claims to, like, love this, like, mafia life or claim to want to be, like, uh, dating one of these, like, narcos just to, like, see, like, the glitz and glam of it. And they're like, all right, step up. Like, this is what shit actually goes down because of all that. Um, so, like, kind of, like, put into perspective, like, all over, like, El Chapo because the giant-ass name of how much just, like, Tony, like, shows and things are based on these, like, this type of, like, a lifestyle, too. That's, like, crazy and how it's, like, seen in it's a way. Yeah, romanticized, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's creepy. It's weird. Well, yeah, there was that explosion of narco shows and that glorification of that life and romanticization. And then we also started to see it with the whole serial killer thing. People were starting to be obsessed. Yes. Like, I feel like that's a, like a huge ass wave too. I feel like, um, I mean, also even in the, the podcast scene too, like, like all these like criminal likes and like crime stories and other thing. It's very like, it's like it has a huge ass like almost like a cult following at this point mm -hmm. um and that's also kind of like romanticizing or just like i guess seeing these serial killers or seeing these like terrible events as like not as i don't know not not what's the right word i don't want to say dehumanizing them but kind of just seeing them as like oh it's just like a like a, another story like a fantasy like a something like so is not in real life when it is yeah i know i know what you're saying i don't I can't think of a I can't, word. I know there's a word out there. If anyone's smart enough, college girl. <laughs> but yes. But you're right. It's the idea that it becomes less real and scary and more so. I think you become more disconnected to it. Um, and you you get more of a pop culture feel to it. And it there becomes we, yeah. something that's just more um, normal. So it normalizes it maybe. Yeah, I, I think, think so. that's what it is. I think so too. So, I don't, I don't even, yeah, I didn't even connect the whole circular thing, but you're totally right. That's also 
maybe just maybe it just me my my mindset on all this stuff too but like i'm not really one to watch like little like the crime shows like i can never get into like what's the one uh el señor de los cielos like the big like narco mm-hmm. one that everyone loves like i couldn't get into that i don't i'm not into like the crime yeah or like mystery like podcast or anything like that either i don't i'm not either for a while i will say this like for a while when i felt like i was in a bubble when i was in college and everybody feels safe you're in a community with everybody that's your age yeah um especially coming from pullman you know pullman it's a this little town in the middle of nowhere and everybody believes it to be super safe yeah and um at the time like I didn't mind it. I benched all of Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. That was always playing at the apartment. I remember that. Yeah. Law and Order. Things like that, right? Um, and now that, like, I live in a city and you read the news of what happens in that city and you realize, okay, what I was watching on television actually happens to people in real life. Mm-hmm. To me, I became more conscious. And, like, now I just, I really just can't watch those kinds of shows because then when I'm home alone for whatever reason yeah that's what's crossing my mind and it's just I think that's a really good way to realize that these inspired stories might inspire somebody to act out or you realize that a lot of these people didn't even have a reason for committing the crimes they committed and breaking into people's homes no yeah I feel like that's so very true. Like, like now, honestly, being in the quote-unquote real world. But yes, yeah, I see what you're saying. And I think I get it. When you become an adult, you are more hyper vigilant to your surroundings. And I think when you're young and you're in that youth, you feel like you're untouchable. Like you can bounce back. And I think as, as an adult, that's just what it is. You become hyper vigilant. And for ourselves, right? It doesn't mean that. It's a parent skill that kicks in or anything like that. I think it's more of a, that adulting instinct of the this is the real world and there are bad people in the world. And there are people that act out on emotions and maybe don't have those skills. Honestly, like, because I, I, my roommate's a fan of watching those killer shows or those people in prison shows. Yeah. And honestly, you hear some of their confessionals and you realize a lot of these folk just never acquired the right skills to not act out on emotion. And a lot of these folk just didn't have a reason for doing it. They just are bad people. So with this whole like Culiacan thing too, I was like, I was like, I can't like watch the related shows just because it's all super real and, mm-hmm. being, and everything can happen. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy to just see how romanticized it's gotten. Um, so I don't know if this with being how the headlines that it got is going to do anything with the technical culture moving forward. But I'm sorry. I don't think. I don't think it'll affect Hollywood. If Hollywood has the views and it has the money. You're right. It'll be there. I mean, they made a pretty much like an American version of La Reina del Sur, the Queen of the South. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if some sort of television show is, comes out of El Chapo's life. I feel like they haven't done that yet. They haven't done one. They did. Or like a movie or anything like that. So honestly, they're gonna Hollywood could definitely make money off this shit. The one they did was from that Colombian guy, right? What's his name? Oh, uh, Pablo Escobar. Pablo Escobar. Oh, that's a narco show, right? That's the narco. Oh, actually, I guess there is narcos, but I'm thinking more as in like like feature film, like if like also. I'm sorry. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyways. So yeah, Culiacan is chill right now. Things definitely went down after they released him back, but people still got injured. Um, But moving on from one negative thing in Mexico to a positive one, 
last episode, I brought a little bit about Oaxaca and their movement on passing or decriminalizing abortions. And just kind of wanted to bring a little bit more information on that. So pretty much what made it such a historic event is that Mexico is pretty much a very Roman Catholic country. So having the church be such a huge power and abortion passing in Oaxaca, and Oaxaca also is the pretty much the poorest state in Mexico, is such a huge thing for everyone that's there, all the like the young women, all of the indigenous people in Oaxaca también. So the only other region that's gotten abortion decriminalized in Mexico has been El DF, and that was back in 2017. Um, and what has was seen kind of with comparing with the Mexico one, the Ciudad de Mexico one to the Oaxaca one is that there are a lot more women on their councils, on their, in their government that definitely helped in a positive way to kind of skew this vote. So I don't know what movements have been being made in maybe other states, other regions, but I feel like definitely I, there's a lot more women in power positions in Mexico, at least in Oaxaca and in El DF. So you kind of can see that pull in this. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I can, uh, like, I mean, obviously the U.S. is getting a lot better with, like, AOC and those other, th- other three women that, names I'm blanking, but I know are making big, big strides in Congress here in the U.S. Um, but I don't know the women's pull in Mexico government. That's something that I'm not very informed on. Um, pero definitely women in the government are the ones that are making all these moves. So shout out to all of them. Um, What's up? They're decriminalizing, but they're not making it legal, correct? Yes, I believe. Yeah, I think before, so pretty much if you attempted or, like, went to anyone to get an abortion, you can get, I think it's um, prison time for one to three years. Okay. So that's at least one stride to baby steps yeah. and go. Um, but once what, once I kind of got into it, I just didn't even think or, like, the whole, like, Roman Catholics and just how big religion is in not only Mexico, but in a lot of Latin American countries with this whole abortion thing. So how it can be two different, completely opposing sides. So seeing how I kind of take that stride and maybe hopefully help inspire other regions or other areas to at least, I guess, maybe, like, just keep an eye out for this. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same here in the United States. We have very conservative folk. It's very Protestant. So... Even though we say separation between church and state, that's not true. That's why we oh, see a never. lot of red states that are still, you know, against um, abortions and pro-choice. So we see it, I think, all over the world, which is kind of sad. Yeah, definitely all over the world. I feel like Europe definitely has their shit more together in terms of just the la libertad de todo eso. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Latin American countries are going to be all, just because of that religious part and just the separation yeah. state and I know that's a like a thing of our mentality with the whole U.S. government, but is that a thing everywhere else? That'd be like what? like a sep- the separation of state and religion. So yeah, the U.S. has a separation between church and state when it comes to our politics. Yeah, and um, going back to like the European thing, I want to give them credit and to say you know like their politics are better and they have their shit like put together, but I think that's just a stereotype also that I like I've given to them and and in reality I haven't done enough research to actually know because when I watched that episode um the Patriot Art Act with Hassan Mm -hmm. about Canada it's like Canada seems like the friendliest country and you would want to immigrate there and all that stuff but they're actually you know against immigrants and they make it really hard for immigrants to you know move out there and stay out there so to be honest 
I I now I'm just like I cannot assume that anybody has their shit together. You're right. So I'm like, I don't know how good they are. Plus, I'm just like, ever since I went to Europe and I know that the French are rude, I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> Can't trust no one. That's true. I am hella behind on Patriot Act, but so I'm excited for that Canada episode now. But mm-hmm. you're right. I feel like, and that's kind of even taking it hella back. How just like we hold Europe to just being like this not perfect standard, but like kind of like well, that's where a lot of the standards and a, a bunch of things come from. Mm-hmm. So for us to just kind of like, like assume that they just have the shit together just because it's Europe and just because you they could stand out in other aspects, you're right. but don't have any research or information on their country. So I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe they do. We'll never know. I mean, we can know, but oh, <laughs> eh. yeah. Um, but from giving a little bit more context on something from last week to another thing previous this season, Kia, what you got? The Latin Grammys. So the Latin Grammys are coming up on the 14th. So very soon in November. And there's still headlines that are being made. So we wanted to go back and I was like, perfect opportunity to touch back and to just kind of inform y'all and for us to get informed as well. But last time we were talking about the voting and I think that's where it started to get a little bit confusing because we were like who's on this voting board and oh yeah all that jazz voting's always confusing no matter what it is though Mm -hmm. yeah so as Kim had said previously she said that the Grammys have this like really strict voting policy and they put out a statement telling the leaders of the community to get on that to become voting members to actually make changes within yeah. the categories. Pretty much, yeah. Everyone that was salty saying that, like, reggaeton wasn't getting the recognition in those nominations, that the Latin guys were like, well, y'all should have been on, like, a members of part of this to make that change. Mm-hmm. Pretty much being like, if you guys should have voted. Yeah, so I went to the website, and I went to be like, okay, well, then how do I become this voting member, and who can become a voting member? I found out that... Any artist or anybody that works in the music industry can become a voting member. And I think you just put all... It's like applying for a job. So you would put all your information, demographics, and you would put, like, attach a portfolio, basically. And then once you're in it, then you can start voting, I'm assuming. I didn't finish going through all the pages because it was going to be like, okay, I have to sit there and actually fake it (laughs) till you make it. But, yes, there's an application and you just become a member. And it's on their website. So now that we understand that, I think we can go back to the conversation of the boycott and the Latin Grammys, who was going to attend and who didn't want to attend. The biggest conversation revolved around the the category La Urbana, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about like the roots of reggaeton, because they were like, sin reggaeton no hay. Sin reggaeton no Latin Grammys was the whole hashtag movement that Daddy Yankee mm-hmm. started, but a lot of people in, in La Industria pretty much like were backing it up and all. Exactly. And they were talking about how reggaeton had become international and with that becoming international, it became whitewashed. So, and it started with... Wait, sorry, who was we? The artists? The artists. They're saying that. The artists who put out the statement and who are boycotting and saying without reggaeton, no hay okay. Latin Grammys because they're, they have beef with what Urbano category looks like and who's nominated, right? They're having beef that there's a lot of Spaniards on there, Rosalia, Alejandro Sainz. Not in the Urbano, but definitely in, the, in Latin Grammys in general, um, Rosalia and Alejandro Sainz, um, Spaniard artists, 
have the biggest nominations in the Latin Grammys. Okay. And the article I was reading was talking, focusing around the Urbano um, category or or genre because slowly but surely we're seeing a shift and a change and it's becoming mainstream and when it becomes mainstream it does become very whitewashed the Mm -hmm. the face of the nueva generacion is very white there's very white complexions when you get to the conversation of the roots of reggaeton and the roots of um the urbano you have all these brown and black faces that are getting just completely taken out of the narrative because it's become international so the same way that we saw in rock and roll like once it became this mainstream that it was accepted by everybody people like elvis presley came in and started to take over the categories and the genre and the popularity of it it became the face of them yeah and now when you think of rock you don't think of black or brown faces you just really don't at least mm-hmm. I personally don't. Yes. And growing up here in the United States, I didn't think of rock as a place for brown people. No, oh, same. Um, besides my <laughs> You know. <laughs> but um, I think it's that same idea, right? That they're being wiped out of the category. Now you're seeing in the Latin Grammys with the nominations. They're being kind of like um, pushed to the side. I personally haven't seen all the no- nominees. But that is what the article that will link what they were talking about when it comes to the Latin Grammys. Yeah, I feel like definitely right now, and just uh, like the faces of Urbano, and this is, I mean, this has been an ongoing beef for, for a while, is that Rosalia pretty much is the face of reggaeton and musica urbana in pretty much on an international level. I feel like she's gained, has gained a lot of popularity in the English markets, in the international markets, with her kind of being the face. I mean, same thing, I mean, J Balin and Bad Bunny, Maluma, Shakira, everyone that's like the main urbano, J-Lo, are very, very white. Like, cuando, like if you think of the biggest artists, I mean, people were so like shocked with like Osuna being the El Negrito Josclaro, like him just being like a dark-skinned sesh right now is popping off. Like, I remember Don Omar back in the day, mm-hmm. but like I feel like yeah, it's become very white. And I know, like, if you are, like those, those who argue that like Latinos vienen de todos colores, todos sabores, all of mm-hmm. that. But when it's just one being the main one, like, obviamente algo pasa. Yeah. Um, with the boycott that the people are trying to say, or at least trying to, like, I don't know what it's going to do or how it's going to affect. I mean, I know for sure. I don't know who's confirmed or who's pulled out of performances. or if it, if, like, Latin Grammys are going to go on regardless. Like, this whole beef that went down, the Sin los Latin Grammys no hay reggaeton. Perdón. Sin reggaeton no hay los Latin Grammys. But I don't know. I feel like, or also, I also want to see if, like, like I said, the Grammys are gonna go on regardless. If people who win these awards, especially Rosalia, was the beef behind Rosalia, and I know for sure she's nominated. She's one of the most nominated. So odds are, she's gonna win something. If she's gonna use that speech time to address anything or to make anything for this movement, because see, see, if now she's not not una reggaetonera, but now that she's seen as la, la face of Urbano if this with this whole scene reggaeton no hay Latin Grammys if she's gonna address it or if she has I don't even know I think that we'll see artists maybe not show up for this one but show up for the next or I can't remember there was another award show where everybody wore a certain color for some to make some kind of statement uh yes it was 
the Oscars for something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But I think it's going to be one of those things that doesn't change the Academy, doesn't change who's in charge of the nominees or the voting, like I said. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that if the Academy really wanted to, they could, like, override it, like, go over the head and make a change. If the people are asking for it, people are boycotting it, like, there should be some kind of effect that comes out of it. But, like I said, I think people are still going to tune in. They're still going to make their money. They're going to have their viewers. Mm-hmm. Artists are going to show up. I mean, it's been established, like they said, for 20 years now, right? Yeah, since like that. Yeah. Well, we'll find out what happens on the 14th. Yeah. And now moving on to some more headlines. <laughs> Gina Rodriguez, once again, proving to us that she's anti-black. Ah, yes. Girl outed herself. She definitely put herself on blast and gave the receipts that we really needed in order to just further prove the fact that she's anti-black dude and honestly gina rodriguez i wanted to fight for her so bad dude i remember when i first saw her in philly brown the movie with like jenny rivera i was like okay she can rap like i guess latina like all right i see you like let's go like what else can you do and then she got jane the virgin and i was like yes jane the virgin uh because of like it came back from the novella that i watched with like my mom growing up and i was like ah yes and then she started like slowly coming out with like the whole I remember the Bigfoot like interview with Yara was like was like one of the first things that kicked off, um, and then her apology for that, and then everything else that Gina has done since then. Um, pero the fact that she literally like outed herself, I was like, Gina, for real. No aprendes. Well, definitely, I think for me the moment that I stopped rooting for her was definitely when she said that in the interview like you just don't do that they're giving a compliment to her community a community who's been oppressed for years here in the united states and has a different relationship historically just to the united states like you just don't do that to young black girls yes context um so for me it was an interview with uh, yara from grownish from blackish and the interviewer was like, oh, so how do you feel about being an inspiration or a role model to young black girls? And Gina right next to her was like, to all women, to all girls, pretty much. As in, like, making it a all lives matter type of situation. Like, he said, like, what the fuck, dude? Yep, and then the apology, she goes on this show and she starts crying these crocodile tears saying that for her to be anti-black would be to be anti-family because her dad is black and her dad is not black. And she wanted to hold on to that as an excuse. And this time we got to see her true colors. There was another thing after the Yara um, incident that also didn't rub me the wrong, the right way. She was on a panel with Pompeo and Emma Roberts oh, and right. Ga- Gabrielle Union. And in that one, they were talking about the wage gap um, in the acting world. And Gina was just saying that Latinas get paid the least, and that's also not true. So she didn't really quite have her facts right, but just hearing her talk, honestly, doesn't feel all the way right when you listen to her talk if you were to go watch that interview on that panel. I had to take it off because it was just, it's very cringy to listen to her speak. And I used to really love her quote when she gave that speech 
um, that I can and I will quote from her that like her dad would say to her and yeah. all that stuff. So I really liked her. I was rooting for her. We're rooting for you. We're we really were. For you. And she just is terrible at apologizing because she doesn't think she's doing wrong. And I think that's that's the root of the problem. Yeah. That, honestly, that's it, that's it too. And like, there was an article I was reading that was um, talking about how she said, sorry if I offended you. And the article was like, okay, that's number one. That's the first wrong. But the second part was emphasizing on Gina's usage of the phrase community of color and her inability to say the black community. You know, by her not being able to specifically name the community that she has offended, it's like coming for, from an eagerness to assume that all communities of color are the same. And if you were to assume that all communities of color are the same, it would be much easier to undo the work of white supremacy. But, like, we're not there yet. And for her to not be able to name the community that she is offending is like erasing the whole legacy of the word, the N-word here. Like I said earlier, it's the connection that we specifically hold term that that is, right? Mm -hmm. And I think her not being able to say the word black, not being able to say the black community and trying to group us all in a bunch is like, no, girl, we were not all oppressed the same way. And every POC has been oppressed in a certain way by the United States and white supremacy. Yes. But you don't get to erase the, that history. And the same when she was like all women, again, she was trying to erase that oppression that black women have had for years here in the mm -hmm. United States and all over the world in general. I know, and I feel like sometimes, like, because Gina is, or claims to be this, like, big Latina advocate for, like, having Latinos be represented in all communities and all, um, in entertainment and everything like that, like, you, like, it's hard, or it's hard, or, like, a different term, like, you, you can be colorblind and still be, quote-unquote, of color. Mm -hmm. Like, you can still be, and I feel like it's like, like that's not what's not clicking for her. Yeah. With exactly, be not being able to say the black community. Well, seeing as she doesn't know how to apologize, I went a, a step further, and I recently had a training at work on how to maintain appropriate work relations. Well, technically, she's on the job. <laughs> <laughs> so, she needs to maintain appropriate work relation and she was getting her makeup done or something in that video so she probably was at work you right that's what i'm saying <laughs> so she needs to learn how to apologize and i found a really dope video on youtube this really dope youtuber when she really takes you through the steps of how to apologize and even gives an a per, like a personal example of when she fucked up yeah. for content basically yeah and she's like i learned from men you know this is how you apologize and it was a really well done video but step one, you need to acknowledge what you did wrong. So an example for Gina Rodriguez, she should have been like, I am sorry that I perpetrated anti-black and racist behaviors through my usage of the N-word. Step two, avoid using but or if. The apology is not about your intentions. It's about acknowledging what you did is wrong. So her saying, I'm sorry if I offended you, is a major red flag. And she needs to go back to step number one to understand <laughs> what she did wrong. Step three, you need to say thank you. You need to say thank you to everybody and not condescend them. She was so condescending in that like first apology where she was just like, 
I'm sorry if I offended you, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, you should have been like, because she was like, I'm sorry if I offended you by singing a song that I like from my childhood. Like, you know, yeah, for, all these things. It's kind of, the, the first video, like, I didn't even notice that she had to make an apology for the apology. But the first video gave me such a like a vibe that like when your mom's like and then like apologize like like mm-hmm. you made this person feel bad you're like I'm sorry that whatever like literally exactly. like a child she was so condescending so I'm like you need to be able to say thank you to those people who are calling you out they're calling you out for a good reason you need to understand what your behavior is doing to an oppressed community it's hard to call out people like I said you you you're gonna always get backlash for anything that you say when you're putting out opinion or your or expressing how you feel, especially if people are going to be defensive because you're standing up for something that's right. Mm-hmm. And that goes in the work relation too, which like I'm saying, like it's hard to call people out. It just really is. It's easier to stay quiet. So I think if you ever get called out, it's just good to remember to thank that person and be like, hey, thanks for calling me out. Yeah, dude. that's very true. Yeah. And number four, don't just say it, do it. And we've seen her do it. We've seen her say it before and not do anything. So this is her second time. We'll see if she actually takes the time to learn or if her PR is just telling her to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, for now, she needs to. Um, I don't know. Um, or, was, I think it was you that told me that apparently her, uh, Scarlett Johansson and her are the same PR. And, oh, my gosh, And Scarlett yes. just said something recently, which I didn't know. I mean, I don't know how recent it is, but she definitely was like, I can play any race I want, even a potato. But she was basically saying everybody was sensitive. I'm I mean, like, girl, you're white as fuck. Like, really? That's true. I mean, honestly, but I mean, she has literally played pretty much every single freaking, like, ethnicity almost. I would love to see her play a potato. (laughs) (laughs) Toy Story 5. (laughs) Potato head. But, no, for real. Somebody who (laughs) says it with her chest, Miss Lizzo. She's been accused of plagiarism for the songs Truth Hurts and Juice. I feel like uh, we were talking about the. I think we talked about this a while ago too. Where like I'm like Lizzo's album and this music has been out for a while. So for like plagiarism, I feel like plagiarism is like a hit or miss depending on who is like putting in these claims and who's like saying that they said this first that they took inspiration from this or whatever like that just because that could just be like a huge like money thing like if the song's popping like i feel like certain people are like oh i try to like jump on this bandwagon to get the money out of it essentially so what's the, so for lizzo for truth hurts it's the lyrics i just took a dna test turns out i'm 100 percent that bitch but who's the one that's copywriting or saying things i guess mina lioness was the one that tweeted it and because she tweeted it she was trying to get it copyrighted or something but she was like i'm gonna sue your ass and then um cc peniston accused Liz of copywriting ad-libs from her 1992 song finally on the song juice and she posted the side to side comparisons and then she added but i love her music so i really don't know how it's gonna go and if they're going to win their cases bueno pues lo importante aquí es aprender a darle crédito a todos so everybody if we mentioned you at all any <laughs> thoughts you have credit in the links <laughs> yes yeah we always link everything for sure because credit citations we learned in college <laughs> sources we're not trying to get sued nah, but we'll see. We'll see who wins, Lizzo or the other people. I'm feel, I feel like Lizzo can hold it down. I feel like she's good. Right. Well, back to um, our agenda, Miss Issa Rae. 
She yes. was recently um in Mis Noticias, but our, my girl Issa Rae, like she's, I was like, where you at? Because I miss Insecure. You guys know I was yes. talking about Insecure all the time last season, and I we even put out those that special Insecure playlist, which again, check it out if you haven't. And she actually has poppin' music for her show. Yes, we yep, we definitely have said that too. And she's mm-hmm. like definitely made that a huge statement with her entire show that she wanted it to be very musical mm-hmm. and have a very important background in that. So now she's taking that to a next level. So our girl Issa Rae has co-founded a new music label called Radio. And she recently partnered with Atlantic Records to share the partnership, I think, to be able to put on more artists, right? I think mm-hmm. that's... It's about, at the end of the day, it's about outreach and how you can better serve your community. And I think it was smart of her to connect with Atlanta Records to put on more artists. But Yeah, me too. I feel like definitely, I mean, obviously, Isa has 20 million things going for her with Insecure. I want it to, to come back. Um, so I feel like she definitely, like, it was smart to partner with such an established like recording company and let's establish label as Atlantic um, to be able to kind of like bounce back the two and still having like radio be its own thing but having a, like that, that little like that big brother to kind of like look after it. So. Mm-hmm. She recently put out a new artist and her name is Timor. She's a singer. She's based off of Los Angeles. She's Boston born and she's Haitian American. So hey. <laughs> all over the place. Literally. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I feel like I love her using her platform and using just like everything that has happened to her to launch other people. I mean, I remember I saw this interview with um, the actress that plays Molly, um, Yvonne, and pretty much how like they were, fr- they were like, they were friends and really, like, when Issa does something, has, has any project, it's very important that she brings on people to kind of help represent like different communities and just kind of like help the like, boost their stuff. Like that. I mean, like she can easily bring in a bigger artist or a bigger person for the name of it or for yeah. um, just like how like an easy like clout it would be. But she'd rather bring in someone that's like she knows will put in the effort, will put in the work, and kind of deserve has that more of that deserved recognition. So I'm excited to see what she will do with this, like with um, the music label, and to see how that's going to play into her other things too. Yeah, so. I think she definitely likes to open doors and for to sure. shine new new opportunities for folk to get exposure. All right, so moving into music that we just that we are listening to. So CNCO dropped a new EP called Guinness Almost, which is a little shout out to I think one of their ad-libs is they're like the Guinness Almost, CNCO, and I want to say that's a shout out to their fans, like the CNC owners, like the Guinness Almost. Um, so that EP dropped, and there's a single that they've been uh, kind of promoting has been Ya Tu Sabes, which I really liked it because for being CNCO, they're such a, like, c- kind of like a cookie-cutter boy band, honestly. Um, but just a Latino version of that. So the, the Ya Tu Sabes, people kind of described it as like a salsa, like Latin trap remix, like a little mix. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm excited. And I mean, it also samples Celia Cruz's Rie Llora. Um, but the EP also has a couple other songs too. One with Manuel Turizo that I also kind of like because they're both the little like baby power players in Urbano. I mean with Lunai, but Lunai will get into next episode. Um, but I, don't know, I like that. I'm also I'm a huge boy band follower and lover in general, so I'm a little biased for Ciencia. Um, yeah, Kia, what'd you think? When I first heard it, seemed basic, but it grows on you. The the mix of the it reminded me of something that you would see or hear 
in one of those step up movies. I don't understand. I don't know why, but it just reminded me of some kind of mixture they would do for a dance. Oh, if they wanted to shine some kind of light on some kind of like salsa dance, but mixed with like how you said with Urbano. Dude, now I want to see a step up movie too. <laughs> I, like I said, the original song is better. Celia Cruz is undefeated, but they're both good. Uh, and yeah, next on our list, Los Avengers. Yeah, so Los Avengers are pretty much these um, artistas, artistas de Urbano, which is Sesh, Lalex, Justin Quiles, Lenny Tavares, Fade, and then Rich Music, which technically is the producer, um, but he's a part of this mix. So they're all individual artists that, like, together, they're, like, Los Avengers, self-paint. Um, but they dropped an EP with all of them, plus a couple of, like, there's, like, in some of the songs, there's, like, De La Ghetto, De La Ghetto, and like, we've seen this in some of these, también. But that EP is called um, The Academy, and then the song that we're putting on this playlist is called Uniforme. Um, I really liked it. They have, like, a really, like, what I really like, like which is the Urbano, kind of like an R&B, slowest, um, to them, but Uniforme is more of like a like a a like get lit song. I mean, it literally says con la mano la pared, so you already know. Uh, para bailar y todo. Uh, I'm also like I said a huge Dalex and Sesh fan, so kind of biased them in. Pero I don't know, I like it, and they're they're the whole EP is like pretty good too. But the Avengers, I still laugh at their name. I don't think. Oh, can they get copyrighted for that? What's well, not the Avengers? Oh, <laughs> los. <laughs> they said, I'm going to switch it over real quick. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to get copyrighted. Hello? <laughs> I like the song too a lot. Very graphic. Very fun. It kind of reminded me of that Osuna song where it's like, Que se pone bonita en va la calle. Oh, se preparó. Se puso yeah, it reminded me in the sense of like it had that little feet con la mano en la pared. It was kind of like almost like a, a sad but happy, like, oh my god, pues ya no me quedo de otra. Alright, so the moving from an EP to an actual album, our mm-hmm. girl Becky G dropped her debut album after so many years in the industry. Uh, but her album is called Mala Santa. Um, and I was actually shocked because we've talked about how artists who have been around for a while when they drop when they drop an actual album. A lot of the music can be songs that already has been out. But for her, it was only four songs that had been out. And, and Dollar, which is dropped for the album. So I was very proud. And kind of like, so the, that whole album has a visual aspect to it. So every single song has like a little video on YouTube that's not just like the cover art. It's an actual visual for it. Um, so that girl definitely took her time in putting out this debut album, put a lot of work into it. Um, I really liked it. I've listened to it to a lot more. Just like as a standalone album definitely has like a little bit of todo has those very like like reggaeton songs has a couple bit more like um chill r&b um just songs like sesh which i really like but for this we're gonna do 24 7 and then mala santa but i don't know becky g i'm excited i really like all this music i want it. i'm excited to see what she has like as their like single as like the one she's gonna promote next um, as well as we've said, not she has an album, maybe a possible tour, and especially that Seattle has been on like these like reggaeton artists like tour dates like, now more than ever. I want to see if she's actually gonna make it up here, which I would love because I want to see her bad life so bad. I liked the visual for her songs. She just looks cute. I always say this. She always looks cute, but 
she's just a baddie. The songs are always flyer because of the lyrics and the beats. Like, she just has really good combination of the both. Like, no, mm-hmm. no le falta ningún lado. And that's one thing that I really do appreciate about Becky. And then from one debut album to, I don't know if it's her debut album or not. But uh, Cash Doll, she dropped an album called Stacked. Um, and then a song that I've been bumping to a lot, mainly because my roommate's been bumping to it too. It's called Doing Too Much. Um, and then a little lyric um, was uh, uh, Vivian La Vida Loca, like I'm Ricky Martin. Kind of just throwing it back to that Latin explosion, how it's kind of a little bit everywhere. But Cash Doll, I remember, I really liked her off of a song she did on Iggy's album earlier this year. She's another female rapper. She's from Detroit. Um, but yeah, Doing Too Much. And then a song... And the song on the album is No Lames featuring Summer Walker. And Summer Walker's also been popping off too, so. Excited for that. Definitely, if um, y'all want to get to just know a little bit more about Cash Doll, that first song on the album on Sack pretty much goes hard on, like, wh- what she's been through her life, where she's at now, and pretty much how she got to be the baddest that she is, which is super cool. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I like to see new rappers, like, new female rappers in the game, because I feel like it's Obviously, like same thing like with the good like Urbano, just getting more like more women in the field and just having them stand out more, especially with Cash Doll. I was like, all right, I see you, girl. Definitely stand your ground. Yeah, I I like her lyrics. I really do like her verses. From what I listened to, I haven't heard the album, and I don't know that I had listened to a lot of her music previous to this. Um, on the No Names with Summer Walker, when Summer Walker first um comes in that first verse or whatever it is reminded me of Janae Aiko. Um, but for sure, Cash Doll, gross on me. I like her attitude. I like her verses. All right. And then from one female artist, female rapper to another, Megan Thee Stallion and Moneybag Yo uh, dropped all that. And then I just like Megan Thee Stallion. Like, I'm a huge fangirl. <laughs> um, dude, she's, like, freaking fired only as, like, a, like as a female rapper, but as just, like, a persona and just her personality. Just, like, I'm like, I want to be you. <laughs> um, and then on this song, she just kind of goes in. I mean, she's always very, like, graphic todo, so I wasn't surprised at that, but she's always... In the video, she looks fire, too. She's, like, owning it with her man. I don't know if she's still dating Moneybag Yo. I know that was a rumor a while back. I'm not sure. But if she was, she's getting in that video. I really do appreciate Megan the Stallion for who she is and what she represents and saying things with her chest and being a liberated woman because from what I understand, the people that I've spoken to, mainly males, that don't like her is like how you said, she's very graphic and I think Mm -hmm. they cannot handle the fact that she says what she's going to say. She owns it. She feels liberated. She's educated. And people cannot handle somebody who is educated, is in a male-dominated industry, mm-hmm. looks the way she looks in her appearance and what she, how she chooses to um, express her body and herself. Dude, and that's so crazy, too. Because, I mean, I feel like that's machismo that was in the industry mm-hmm. that people kind of, like, not forgot about, but definitely kind of got, like, glossed over. And now everyone's like... Oh, because it's becoming so big, such a big of a thing. Like, y'all can't hold them back. And I freaking love Megan Thee Stallion. Just for owning everything that she is. Yeah, which gets me into the next um, artist or the next remix with Lizzo and the baby. How he talked about, like, oh, if I got an educated 
if I had the option between an educated woman and a hood woman, I'd take a hood woman. And I think a lot of people can't handle, like, both. It's kind of like there has to be some kind of separation. And I just don't think that that's true. So I appreciate that Mega Stallion has been able to defy that. Yeah, dude. And uh, First off, that remix... We talk about, like, not every song needs a remix. Just because it's popular doesn't mean that you have to make it better if it's already there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is such a thing with this Truth Hurts remix, which is featuring the baby. I didn't even know it existed, honestly, until you brought it up. <laughs> and it is 100% not needed. Mm-hmm. Like, Truth Hurts is already popping off, has been on the top weeks for who knows how long. Also, I feel like this remix has been out maybe for a bit. But at the end of the day, you're always going to hear the OG more than you're going to hear this remix. And for for Elizabeth to just be such a badass woman for this song to just be so empowering to fat women to just owning yourself to just being proud y todo and for the babies just to be so like degrading almost like pretty much like counteracts what the song is doing. So, it really did. I, I agree. Like this song, this single was all her. It was all a woman and made it to the top on its own, blew up her career and made her become mainstream honestly and give her all all this clout it sucks that she pretty much leveled it down with his remix Mm -hmm. like not needed at all but going back a little bit another song that dropped was danny lay featuring g easy on a song called craving um i really like danny lay i listened to her to her here and there um i'm still a little irked that she did that remix with chris brown but whatever Um, but the song what I LOL is that G-Eazy at some point is like light skin and Mexican looking like she's Selena um, and I don't know who they're talking about in the song but Danny Lay is definitely not Mexican it's mm-hmm. Puerto Rican I want to say Dominican maybe uh, Dominican um, pero yeah I like the I like the chilla I feel like Danny Lay definitely has that like that singy R&B vibe definitely that gives her I feel like she has like a little bit like a like different that I really like. I don't know how to describe it. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I do like the song. Even with Jeezy's being the pendejo that he is. Uh, I do like the song. Staying on this uh, male-female <laughs> mix. Uh, but Rihanna did approve of the song. So the song is popping. Um, Russ featuring Bia. Or did Rihanna make the song popping? Oh, I feel like the song, I feel like the song was there. Okay, first, the Russ featuring Bia, Best on Earth. I feel like the song was there. I liked it. But definitely, I feel like we were like, when the Rihanna just like put out that video and pretty much just owning herself, I was like, this is this is a Rihanna song now. Like, she's <laughs> low-key featuring, featured on this somehow. Ooh, do you think they put out a remix? We just had remix. Not every song needs a remix, but. She hasn't put any music out and and she doesn't haven't done any features either, honestly. Okay, so. never mind. I got excited. Está this. ocupada. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I got excited <laughs> in this remix conversation. <laughs> but if there is one, that'd be dope. Yeah, but definitely Rihanna did make the song. I also loved how Bia was just like fangirling over. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I can't believe it. Granted, same. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, I see you. I see you. Yeah, and I was like. Well, we love Russ here on BBO Live. Yeah, I feel for like sure. He was on our playlist all the, the time, constantly <laughs> last season. Season one, yeah. Dude. And he makes his own beats, which I think is really cool. And in this song specifically, he shouts out Riri. And so I think it's cool that Riri put it at, 
she gave it a shout out basically. Oh, I forgot. And the in the shout out that I mean the chunk that she puts out walking, it doesn't get to the part where she talks about Rihanna. I mean where he talks about Rihanna. She, it is Rihanna's song. <laughs> Rihanna. Um, from one artist that doesn't really put out music to another. Oil. <laughs> Segways, y'all. Frank Ocean randomly drops like he always does. Dropped his single DHL um, on a random ass Saturday, I believe. Um, what do you like? What do you think about it? I like the song. I I like Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean is somebody I have to be in my feels in the zone to listen to. Yeah. But this song really bumped in my car and my headphones while I was walking. And we haven't really been hearing any music, but I know he's slowly going to start dropping music because he has a show called Blonded now, like a radio show. Almost oh, like yeah. Nicki Minaj has her Queen Radio. Queen Radio. And he also just recently opened or launched a queer club, nightclub in New York. So he's been busy too, man. Mm hmm. Right. Sometimes artists are not putting out music not just because they don't want to because they're actually doing other shit. Another dude you gotta be in the mood for. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Daddy Yankee out here with Zumba. Dude, yeah, so Zumba King, Daddy Yankee. Uh, do a song called Que Tire Palante, which pretty much I feel like he knows that all his music ends up being used in Zumba classes. Like, he does not I feel like he's just like just works with that like avenue, just knows his lane. Um, so this new song pretty much is super, like, hyphy. Like, honestly, like, your tias will be dancing it in your Zoom in my classes. <laughs> but I did like how he gave a little, like, ad-lib shout-out to, like, uh, it's Bad Bunnies, that is, Anuel and Nati Natasha's mm-hmm. who throw out the song. Um, but it's a very classic, like, you'll hear it, you're like, that's Daddy Yankee. Like. And there's, like, a Zumba actual, sh- like, ad-lib or shout-out in there, so it makes me wonder if it's a par- part of the soundtrack to Zumba dance classes because I know they have soundtracks and yeah. playlists that are official to Zumba. I wonder, do I wonder if he has like any like shares or like any like <laughs> investment? In it Zumba. would be smart, <laughs> right? Yeah, and then he also sampled in the beats. He sampled that very famous reggae song that a lot of people sample oh yes we talked about that too mm-hmm. that we've talked about this song before and we've linked it i'm blanking on the name but y'all are here it once you listen to the song yeah definitely you like ah okay got you mm-hmm. and from one ogs in reggaeton to others uh we see Andel also dropped chica bombastic speaking of referencing song, <laughs> reggae songs too yeah uh, so it kind of obviously the Chica Bombastic examples lyrics from Shaggy's Bombastic too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the song it has a very classic Wisinia and their song it definitely um, has that like reggaeton like a like dancing at the club vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, then I feel like their videos are always very basic. Like, it's always just like them two and a bunch of like girls going like someone ad- on some adventure or some shit like that. Pero just uh, classic classic Wisinia and Who else we got? <laughs> Okay. Sampling again. Um, we found this new artist. Her name's Kirby. And her song that she has out is called Don't Leave Your Girl. And she has such a Lauren Hill vibe. Like, so much so, I haven't um, done my research to see if she sampled her in any way. But for sure, there has to be an inspiration coming from Lauren Hill in this song. Dude, definitely. I remember when I saw her, like, her name, just Kirby, just, like, made me LOL. Because, <laughs> like, obviously, like, Mario's, like, Smash Bros. and all that. Um, 
but I definitely like the song. It definitely has that Lauren Hill, like almost like Amy Winehouse vibes, the other person I can like connect it to. Um, I was like, I want to see what else she has out too, just to see if that vibe carries throughout her music. Mm-hmm. Um, or if this is like a one-off. But definitely, definitely good. Definitely chill. I liked it. And then another artist that made a comeback, Missy Elliott from her hiatus. Yes. So Missy Elliott pretty uh, had her big, big comeback with um, the her EP Iconology um, a, a, well, a little bit back ago. And then her official official triumph, <laughs> triumph return was to the VMAs uh, a couple months ago after winning the VMA Video Vanguard Award. Um, and then kind of with her big comeback, her uh, initial... Her initial single was Throw It Back, which definitely, I mean, throw it back to just her being the shit y todo. Mm-hmm. Definitely still having that Missy, badass vibe. That honestly, like, I feel like it was, like, missing the industry. I feel like it mm-hmm. was, like, something just, like, completely different that I honestly, like, did pretty much, like, forget about Missy. You're just, like, obviously, like, obviously, like knew of her music y todo, but, like, her, she's just something else. Uh, but with... With that EP, Throw It Back was a big one. And then also uh, Drip Demeanor featuring Someone. The artist literally named his name Some, some and then number one. <laughs> um, but I love it. Throw It Back definitely has that, has that whole, like, get it vibe. And then Drip Demeanor is just, like, a very, like, sexy, like, mm-hmm. different type of vibe. So I was like, all right, Missy, I see you. Yeah. So Missy Throw Back. <laughs> throw Back, there we go. Uh, Black Eyed Peas and Jay Balvin dropped a song called Ritmo. Quick shout out to our boy Santi for actually sending us this song. Uh, freaking lit, yes. Uh, so the song is called Ritmo, parentheses, Bad Boys for Life. So I'm pretty sure this is also going to be for that new Bad Boys movie coming out. Um, but the song samples This Is The Rhythm Of The Night. And then obviously Jay Balvin had to give a little shout out to the iconic it's also on Reeboks, also Nike's uh, little radio clip from back in the day. I actually really liked it. I have forgotten, I think forgotten about Black Eyed Peas. Mm-hmm. Um, and also forgot that um, Fergie totally like left them for sure. Yeah. Um, but I was excited for the song. I feel like they promoted it for a little bit and then it just kind of like went off and then now it like fully dropped it todo and I, I really like it. I vibe with it. I really like it too and I think the Black Eyed Peas have always um, been really good at connecting with different artists because I know there's a diversity within their group as well and they always try to be inclusive and music is music and they put out like good quality like it's still black IP like stamp signature stamp of kind of music Mm -hmm. that always hits I haven't heard a single black eyed piece song that I don't like absolutely love that's a single and this one was no exception. Like, I completely love it. Every time I listen to it, I'm just, like, having such a great time. Dude, for sure. And Black Eyed Peas have also um, dropped a song with Piso 21 not, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I feel like definitely didn't get the hype that it deserved. Because I remember I, like, saw, I think I saw it on YouTube, like, the like a video for it. And I was like, I was like, Piso 21 and Black Eyed Peas, the fuck? But it actually was really surprised me. It's called Mami. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll see y'all. Definitely with that Latino crossover. Um, but I love that Jay Balvin brought them out at their um, LA at his LA show. I was like, God. also the fact that Kylie was there, interesting. But okay, right. moving on to Harry Styles also came back, dropped a new single called "Light Up." I honestly I forgot about this. Like, not forgot about this kid, but just, he's been definitely been quiet in terms of music wise since his last album dropped not long ago. Um, but I'm excited that he came back in general. I feel like the song definitely had, um, I think you were saying a very, 
was a Beatles vibe or definitely the, very yeah there was a section like where the the beat would drop or I don't know what it was and I would get that Beatles inspiration in there yeah I definitely love how he took his own like lane musically after One Direction I feel like I feel like all the members kind of went into their own little pockets <laughs> of, of the industry mm-hmm. um but how Harry Styles has kind of very stayed very true to his whole like just like indie kind of pop but more of like a soft in a way and I don't know he's 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 his own little persona so I'm excited to see definitely this this single drops means an album's coming soon so a ver yeah I think he's always been more with the whole rock band indie vibes which is why he was probably like in one direction because it was technically a band right (laughs) a boy band but I guess yeah did they play instruments no and they didn't even dance. That so. would cool. Oh, yeah. No, they didn't even dance. That's true. <laughs> I mean, so... A boy band that doesn't dance. Yeah, right? Have you seen that? I think it was like an at t yeah. commercial. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we supposed to dance? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. But when I heard the song, I was like, oh, One Direction song. Like, I was so excited. And then I was like, I was like, it dawned on me. Wow. A lot of One Direction was Harry Styles. Dude, he was One Direction, honestly, man. I feel like, yeah, because honestly, like, looking back, I feel like the biggest, like, out of, like, I was a like, One Direction hardcore f- uh, fangirl TBH. Um, but, like, a lot of the girls definitely loved Harry even the most out of all the members. Like, he definitely got mm-hmm. the most attention media-wise. Obviously, vocally, también got the most, like, edits. <laughs> Is that the right word? You really did. Um, but... He's still holding it down, so. My favorite was Niall, number one. And then Harry was number two. And then number three was Zane. And number four was Liam. And number five was Louis. And then when I saw them in concert, Louis went up and Liam went down. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I used to have a... I remember I, I had a sweater once. So I had, like, the rankings of them, too, at the time. <laughs> a little, uh, but I was definitely more of, like, a Leah... Sorry, more of a Niall and um, Louis girl. Mm-hmm. But Louis' music is more, like, EDM-y now that he's dropping. And apparently he's going on tour and coming to Seattle, I believe. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I definitely, I went to go see, I, I saw Harry and I saw Niall on their own. So I feel like I just have to stay true and just also see Lee, see Louie out of just my One Direction heart. Just tells yeah. me to keep supporting these kids. Yeah, <laughs> no. Um, they have kids. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> oh, I forgot all about that drama. <laughs> I love uh, Dude, did you ever see the conspiracy theory? That mm-hmm. like Liam, oh my God, I remember one time, I don't remember where I was. It was like a full on like, BuzzFeed article that goes into... Also, fan girls or fan people in general of any type of celebrity are crazy as hell. It's like a full <laughs> conspiracy theory that, like, Leo, that Louis' kid isn't actually his. He must get mad and It's like a full, like, what? pages, pages of shit. That's I'm gonna see if I can find it to send it to you. That's so funny. I think now, going based off, like, there, how you said each one going into different pockets. I still leave. I'm gonna leave Liam still at the end because I don't know why, but to me he's just so he's such a corny Justin Bieber wannabe. <laughs> Dude, yes, I feel like he's just like I feel like he's just dropping music just to say stay relevant. Honestly, yeah, yeah, dude, you're right. None of his collaborations with these big name artists were shocking or surprising or amazing to me. Yeah, they're basic. You're right. You're right. 
I remember I saw in the video of his song with uh, with Jay Balvin. Literally, he's like the entire video. He's just like shirtless, and I remember I was watching it with my roommate, and I was like, I was like, I was like, why is he just shirtless for no reason? Like everyone's like, Elsa's like fully clothed. Yeah, no más así. We're like, why? Yeah, no I need. do not understand. I think Liam, uh, Liam, um, Harry still stayed one of my favorites because. I think his voice, like, I just think his, he has a very beautiful voice and his music has a lot of passion. His album, yeah, like, if I were to say I listen from beginning to end all the time, that'd be, like, a lie. Like, there's some songs that I like more than others. Mm-hmm. And then um, with Niall, I really, I still like Niall, but he's just too acoustic for me. Yeah, same. I feel you. And then... Um, Louis, actually, surprisingly enough, I he hasn't dropped an album, but the singles he dropped with, like, you know, Echo, like, I really, that one was really good. Oh, yeah, dude. You're right. He has, with, like, BB Rexa, too, also. I was, I was like, yeah. oh, so, like, his stuff is, like, differently different, but I was like, like EDM, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm always, like, surprised. I'm like, oh, okay. Especially for being one of yeah. the ones that like, got, got, like, the least attention to. And he has a good voice, too. So, and Zayn, um, I really, I love R&B. Uh, yes. So, I'm not mad at him. No, doing the same too. Like, I mean, I was when he left, when he left the group, R.I.P. <laughs> but now I'm like, okay, I'm like, you, you're on to bigger and better things. You, you good, you good. Oh, well, so what a throwback. What a throwback, man. The One Direction fans, if y'all out there, holla at your girls. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so the single is called Sola, spelled weirdly. <laughs> or this is capitalized weirdly, but yeah. Sola and is Montano. Yes. Um, this song we found through some other artists. The artists are on the song, so you'll listen to them. It's a good song. I honestly like it was a random song that's actually really good. And we like to shine light onto new artists and just put you guys on. We never know. You might go down the loophole and find a new favorite artist. Exactly. Y'all never know, man. Yeah, and honestly, that's why we also do these playlists, too. So if y'all have discovered anyone or, like, fell in love with anyone from these, let us know, dude. That's hella cool. That's hella cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I really like the song. It definitely meets my Urbano R&B, like, chill music that I really, really love. So definitely added that one to my Reva Ora playlist. Yes. Moving on to somebody who excited me the most out of the playlist. And if you don't know him... You might know him through Classic Man. Yeah, so Jadena, I remember his name, but I was I was like, why does this guy look so familiar? And I totally forgot that he's the he's a Classic Man. That's Yeah, that's the only thing I know him from. Also from that one episode of Insecure he was on. I was like, Classic yeah. Man! Yeah, with just to me, he's so iconic for the red hair and the green eyes. Yes, definitely is like, a personality. Boom, in your face. Yes. But that's um, what I remember him. When I first, obviously, when I first got introduced to him, and then I continued to listen to his album when he dropped it, the first, um, the first one that had Classic Man on it, mm-hmm. and then the, he just dropped another one, eighty five to Africa. I really vibe with it. The first half of the album is kind of like very what I think he considers old school rap, and you get that vibe. And the song that I put on there, Tribe, I think that's the one that hits a lot of that little like rap vibe and then the second half he's exploring with more like african beats and just um that kind of feel with because he has a singing voice so he goes from singing voice to rap and i i appreciate both 
but I really love um, his song Sodi, spelled Z-O-D-I, and I'm assuming it's like Zodiac, but <laughs> I think that's why it stood out to me. And then the other one, Vaporisa, and I really love Vaporisa because he's just like, he's like, roll up your sleeves and get pretty much like get down to business. And he's like, and when I get home, I know I have a blunt waiting, and I'm just like, yes. I'm like, <laughs> put in work to come home and relax. But I really, I personally love his lyrics. I love his style. I love his vibe. I love his energy. So hopefully you guys enjoy his music. Talking about Vibras, Mr. Kuko, um, another one that we really like shouted out a lot last season and we were excited. We were looking forward to his album. He put it out during our break when we um, were on vacay and I didn't get to actually fully listen to it and I kind of was just like, Oh snap, we forgot that we were waiting for this album. Honestly, I remember I, I even saw it drop and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, when we go back, like on season. Sorry, Google. Oh, see. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, I gave it a listen and I I felt like he, he carried that um theme of teenage love and immaturity and feeling feelings of I hate you and I love you and drugs, a lot of drugs. Yeah, just growing, psychedelics. Growing up. A like, lot of psychedelics. And um, the song that we are putting on the playlist, Best Friend, gave me vibes of that Bosa No Se. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It gave me that kind of vibe. Dude, for sure. I actually haven't been going to go back and listen to that full album because I was like, oh, yeah, for one the podcast. I was like, I'm going to save it. And aquí estamos and I haven't done it. But, dude, yeah, the song Best Friend definitely has that classic Google vibe. I feel like it's just like a his vibe, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, but I really do appreciate it because it's just something different, something, like, in the, especially with how, like, young and the pull that he has mm-hmm. within the community. I was like, all right, I see you, Google. Mm-hmm. better. Um, moving on to another new artist that we are featuring this playlist. His name is Ali Gady. He also came up on new music for me. I know they've been promoting this guy. I don't know if you guys have heard of him or anything like that. I did some digging Listen to a few of his things. My opinion, I felt like he was still kind of lacking in the in the area of lyricism. But this song "Say to You" stood out to me. I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty solid song for um, one of his singles that he's promoting right now at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I remember I when we were building the place, I like saw his name and I was like, okay, but like no puesto atención. And then I don't know if this was like Spotify, like do like looking at like my cookies or whatever search and I was like, okay. But like it just like um, Ali pretty much came up on like my header a lot. Like Spotify was really really promoting this kid, and I was like interesting. But same thing, I feel like he's still like as a new artist, still developing his sound or just his lyricism going with it. But I do like the song; it's very chill, very an R and B vibe that we always put out. Um, so I'm excited to see what else is to come from him. I believe this song was like a drop within within like a four song little like single ep if that makes any sense um but i don't know we'll see, we'll see. Mm-hmm. i like the name alligator <laughs> it's like alligator eh, interesting mm-hmm. right, right. all right and then going into our artist spotlights kia who's your spotlight this week this week i'm bringing back my girl yuna and Last time I was like, I don't know if Yuna's the name or Yuna's the artist. Oh, yeah, know, crushes. The song and all these things. But it is bringing about my girl. She, um, I just am digging on her. And she actually has been doing the thing for a while. Like, this is not her first album. And, you know, she's put out, um, I believe, four international albums. So, oh, our, yeah, our girl's doing her thing. 
Um, the two songs I feature are Likes and Blank Marquee. Blank Marquee is featuring GEC, so again, this man's out here, you know. <laughs> Likes is featuring Kyle, who I really like. And then the album, she also features Usher, we've seen in Crush. And she features Tyler, the creator, as well. Oh, shit, she's got good features. All right. Yeah, so when I say that, like, it's not her first album, I, from what I understand, the other albums, she features a lot of, like, other like a-listers so oh. yeah so i want to go back and listen to old some of her older music and i'll let you guys know bring it back to the table so on her song likes she actually talks about you know the double standards that she faces as a muslim woman in the american industry and just like how people aren't knocking for her dressing mo- like dr- for her dressing modestly basically and talks about likes right like social media likes and what gets somebody likes Mm -hmm. and she doesn't drink she you know um she doesn't do all these things that a lot of quote-unquote american women do and i think this was one of her more personal moments in the album so it's definitely one of the songs to highlight and that honestly was just enjoyable but her whole album is enjoyable she has a really sweet voice, and I enjoy her music. I'm excited. I remember, I think the, the first time I heard her was, was the crush song that we featured mm-hmm. before on, like, an R&B playlist. And I really liked her vibe, but I didn't, never really went into her. But especially that she's been in the game for a while. The fact that she's a Muslim woman, like, wears a hijab, is, like, and it has so many things. I'm like, she, I'm, like, I'm like, girl, I'm like, you need to get more highlighted. I'm like, all right, I see you. And so I'm glad that you brought her to the table, especially as your spotlight. All right, I see you, girl. Yeah. So, Kimmy, tell us about your girl. So, speaking of women and just in the industry and everything, so my girl is Farina. She is a regatonera de Colombia. Um, she's definitely more of like the rappy, but kind of getting more sing-songy. Um, pero, so those two songs for her I have is Como Una Kardashian, which you're like, mm, but give it a bit and it will, you, you'll get hooked. <laughs> um, and then Olvídame. Um, and I also kind of laugh because apparently... Um, her and Blueface dropped a Spanish remix of Tatiana, oh. uh, and named it Fariana, so like Farina, but like the Spanish Tatiana. I was, like, I was like, all right, uh, y'all can find that one on your own, just because <laughs> Blueface is little. <laughs> uh, um, but so she's thirty three years old, de Medellin, Colombia, and she actually started off on the X Factor Colombia in two thousand five, and I always find it so shocking. When, like, artists, like, actually make it big off of, like, um, like, music shows or things like that. Because yeah. for how many, like, series and, like, different types of different shows that we, like, how, like, American, like, American Idol, The Voice, all that. I feel like it's so, like, all those artists, like, nothing, like, all the windows, like, nothing ever happens to them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, like, super, like, uh, also, that always blew my mind, like, watching, like, American Idol and everything. I'm like, but, like, if y'all won and you have so much, like, clout for this time, like, where did you go after? Um... That's something else. <laughs> no, I think a lot of contestants that don't even win just get that exposure and airtime that they need, and they yeah. find other, like other people find them. It's like scouting almost. Um, yeah, I do definitely. And I feel like sometimes even the people that like not even the winners. I feel like the ones that ended up like runner up or like in, like not winning get more fame. I mean, kind of going back to One Direction, they got third place and got the biggest fame out of um, that whole uh, X Factor season. Itolo. Um, so I feel like always kind of mind-blowing. But definitely Farina's holding it down. She's one of the few women in trap, in Latin trap. Um, although she's becoming a little more sing-songy, which I kind of was kind of 
like scare that gonna take away from just like the trap and like rapping element of it all. But definitely she has she has an album coming out soon, so I'm excited to see what's to come of that. She's been in the industry for a bit and has songs with like We Seen, has songs with like the Laguero and everything like that. Um, so she's been around. But I'm excited to see a full on album from her and see if I can add her more to my like, last Mas Perras playlist of like everyone like all those mujeres in El Trap. So Okay, moving on to what we watched this week. Um, I was like, I have not been to the movies in forever. I don't even know what's out anymore, dude. I know. The, speaking of spooky themes and things that I did this spooky season, I think the Joker should classify under spooky. I mean, I think he's a villain. I feel like villains. I mean, then again, like the like Maleficent's coming out, and that one's. I feel like because she's a villain, it's seen as a spooky, spooky. season release. Somebody did a, a Maleficent costume, and it looked pretty dope, actually. Yeah, I see. All right. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I went to go watch The Joker, and I have to say, like, it was a very heavy movie to watch, and I I felt like the director did it in a way that could be interpreted in many ways, as you go watch it and as you are the viewer. And this movie is supposed to be, like, the origin of The Joker. When I went in, I didn't know what I was expecting. I didn't watch the trailer. I honestly just thought The Joker, and I was like, Okay, it's going to be this guy plotting something against Batman and it'll be from that angle. That's what I thought. When I watched it and, you know, I came out of the movie theater, I was like, whew, this was a very heavy movie. It was definitely distressing. It was an origin story. So you got to see his trauma and you got to see him pre-Joker. So, you know, the whole time we meet Arthur and it's not until the very end that he becomes a Joker, essentially. And so um, Joaquin Phoenix brought a humanity to the character that once was just kind of thought of as evil. You know, my initial thoughts are associating the, the movie with traumas and what leads to a lot of folk being homeless, which then until like leads them to have mental illnesses and vice versa. Like you could have a mental illness... And that leads you to not being able to hold down a job and becoming homeless. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of tied with like our politics and what our leaders are doing to help this folk and this community. You know, the the whole movie was associated and attached to that. And I think that's why a lot of people raved about it and kind of like talked about it a lot. So I thought it was a very well done movie and that was my first initial thoughts. Then I started to talk to friends about... Um, the movie and some friends were pointed out that this movie just aimed to create some sort of empathy and excuse to, towards white males that turn into killers or just shooters. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wow, like that's another angle I didn't even think about. Dude, yeah, when you told me that angle, I was like, the what? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's like you have to have a different, obviously, perspective to be able to even grasp that angle. I feel like that angle is going to be very, very overlooked by a lot of white people in general. Yeah. Um, but, dude, yeah. Continue. <laughs> yeah, and then, not only that, I took it a step further as to... Because it got me thinking, I was like, okay, yeah, who is he trying to, you know, empathize and target? And I was like, okay, he's also very much glorified by a lot of young people, him and Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Harley Quinn's also going to have a... The character is going to have a, another movie out called Birds of Prey. And is that her pre-Harley Quinn? 
Do you know? No, if for her, it's not the origin. For her, this one's like she's broken up with the Joker. Okay. So and then so she gets her squad gotcha. of females. So it'll be hmm. an all-male, female cast. Yeah, okay, okay, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I, I'm still going to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but it just led me down the loophole and just kind of to analyze it further. With, with the whole empathizing white male shooters, it just got me thinking how it also empathizes. It gives empathy and sympathy to that very toxic relationship, Harley Quinn's and the Jokers, and how this is a, this character is somebody who, you know, violently threatened and kill, uh, threatened to kill and almost killed this romantic partner right Mm -hmm. and like domestic violence and all these things and and it's like again going back to the origin of it and how we humanized it so much to where it's like wait let's not derive from the actual character who is very like this character is evil and like all these bad things that we are not glorifying and romanticizing Mm -hmm. he he got empathy for me he got sympathy for me i was like oh i feel bad for him like he was traumatized as a child blah 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 and it's not him it was the circumstances of this and that that led him to to become this person and then it it, it caught me slipping is what i'm trying to get at (laughs) and then i I just kind of like snapped myself out of it and i was like wait a sec i'm not gonna romanticize this character i mean it's kind of like we were talking a little bit about just the whole like romanticizing and like honestly like i mean this this one gave a humanity to the joker but how we start kind of like dehumanizing um just like the whole like just like crimes and Mm -hmm. just like people honestly people like bad people and just giving them like a different angle like, I feel like the Joker kind of added humanity and kind of gave an empathy to it. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I don't really know, but I can just assume. Especially, I mean, I saw also all, like, the Twitter rave and, like, just, like, raves, actually. Like, critics in general, like, have been, like, loving this like this movie. Yeah. And I feel like, we, like, you, you mentioned it earlier, just the whole, like, adding empathy and just giving people, like, a, oh, they're, like, excuses for them to be bad, honestly. Or, like, to, like, reasoning to why it's okay. Yeah scary that this honestly like as obviously it's a movie so it's dramatized but or like how this is going to be seen by children and how like they're going to interpret it or how it's just gonna maybe trigger something differently in them or just like look just looking at i mean there's always been that backlash of um harley quinn and the jokers especially with like halloween coming up that's such that is like everyone's like couple like go-to costume like yeah. it's like the easiest thing everyone's like, oh my god the joker harley yeah. quinn goes it's like yeah and I feel like because, maybe because it was a cartoon, because it was a comic, because yeah. it, there were characters, people just don't see them as these things actually happening in real relationships, in real life. And just kind of seeing the, oh, the, the romanticized version of it, not being able to see that in maybe their own things or things like that. Like, I don't know. It's so, this is such a weird ass concept to me. Like being able to see it clearly in like characters and movies and like emphasizing it then and there. But like in real life, like just having a completely different like life, like a completely different perspective of it. Yeah. And how you said it, I think it just goes back to what we decide to make into pop culture and glorify at the end of the day. Honestly. It says a lot. It speaks a lot in volumes to where our priorities are at. And it's really interesting how you said, but yeah, moving on. What were you watching, Kimberly? (laughs) Um, So I've been watching actually Las Casa de las Flores. Mm -hmm. So House of Flowers, right? In English? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That just dropped on Netflix. I've honestly almost binged it. I'm on the last episode. Um, So I won't spoil any spoilers out. Um, but kind of just like saying like another sh- another 
Subduck also touches a lot of different points, uh, a little bit more subconsciously. Not subconsciously, but 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 I really love Casa de las Flores, at least the first season. I just thought it was like, I feel like it was like one of the first like Spanish shows that Netflix really like kicked off with, at least. Um, I mean, like they've had other ones before, but something that kind of got more attention definitely was Casa de las Flores. And I loved how that show covered so many different things that are a little bit like taboo to kind of talk about in not only Mexican households, but in like Latino America in general. Which is sort of like trans, like being transgender, accepting a relationship with someone that is transgender, just gay, um, sex, second families, um, colorism too, in yeah. there because wasn't one of the daughters dating a black man from the United States? Yes, yeah, it's a lot of different like things that you're just like okay, like obviously like you like there can be broken into twenty different things, but just having it all be in one series in like and I kind of have like a comical spin to it too. I was like, I was like, I really like it, like the show itself. So the second season, it's a little different from the first one. At least I think um, it's I. It's, I'm a little like it took a spin that I don't didn't feel like was needed in the show. Uh, still season two and it's still fresh for y'all, so definitely no spoilers. Um, but I don't know. Let us know what you think. I'm a little iffy on this season. Okay, I yeah, that's what I was wondering mainly how this season compared to the last one. Have you watched it? I haven't started the new season. I watched the last season, so that's what I wanted to know how it compared. It takes a turn, and I'm a little iffy on it. I don't know if there will be a three or how that will work, but I feel like that definitely kicked off. Uh, uh, kind of talking about like, like Los Herbeses earlier, uh, definitely kicked off. Um, and the character's name is Elena, but she's a, one of the Avenida Herbeses kids, and I totally did not even realize that until super later in the game. Yeah. Um, and that, have you started watching the series? Are you, can we talk about like, yeah, I haven't started to watch it. I really want to watch it because I think that it's very much like the Will Smith ones that he puts on YouTube how he goes on vacation with his family and they're just kind of funny. And yeah. well, Eugenio Derbez is already a comedian. So, and they're all actors. Like, all his kids are actors. And yeah. his partner or wife is an actor. The daughter's husband's an actor. They're all an actor family. So I'm sure that there's a level of scripture to this um, series. Oh, series. Yes. And it just looks, it looks like a fun time though because it's, it's an opportunity for them as a, a family that might be busy all the time to kind of like get together and be in their bag, but at the same time be together. Mm-hmm. And I, I was telling you, all of the kids look like him some way or another, even though they're very much... Se parecen diferentes porque tienen different moms. But yeah. at the same time, they all have some kind of feature from Eugenio because he has such a like strong face. So I remember that was one thing we touched on. I definitely, I think, Antiana, what's her name? Uh, Aitana? Aitana? Yeah, Aitana, the, she's so cute. Yeah, the little daughter is so cute. But that's so true. I feel like all their kids, like, yeah, the, literally he, all four of his kids have different moms. And, but if you all line them up, they all have a, like, the best, like, gene in them is, like, hardcore. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely want to see that series. I believe it's on Amazon. So I want to get into that one, too. Amazon Prime? And, yeah, Amazon Prime. So, but yeah, I've been mainly just binging and trying not to finish all of Casa de las Flores. But I have one episode left, so we shall see. Kia, you got anything else? No. Right. All right. So this concludes episode 13, y'all. Like always, everything we talked about, um, articles, playlists, music, everything will be linked in our description. Um, Our playlists are on Apple Music and Spotify, dropping on every other Friday. And then episodes 
every other Monday. Uh, but definitely also make sure to follow us on social media at We Are BBO Live, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and definitely if y'all have any suggestions, music, definitely shout out to Santi for sending us that Ritmo song. Um, send it our way. We'll love to hear from y'all. Um, and yeah, see y'all next time. Happy Scorpio season. Ooh, happy spooky season. Bye, y'all. Um.